state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Farrell, the tight end in motion. Fields gets the snap, gives it off to Sermon. Hit by Jojo Dolman and brought down. He's short of the first down. It'll be fourth down. Dolman fired off the edge and knocked down Sermon short of the stick. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to another week of Sports Nightly. Ben McLaughlin alongside the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Officially a game week once again for the Big Red. As they have officially turned the page from Wisconsin to Northwestern. Wildcats in a dogfight on Saturday against the Iowa Hawkeyes, but... Huskers and Wildcats will do battle this Saturday at 11 in Evanston. And Nebraska and Northwestern sure to play once again a very competitive football game as we get started here for game number two in 2020. We got a lot coming up on the show here tonight. Coming up here in just a little bit, we will run through what was said by the head coach at the press conference earlier today at Memorial Stadium. Uh, comments from what the Huskers did this weekend to what's on tap this week kind of a bizarre practice week once again for the huskers this week as they approach uh tomorrow and the voting day which the huskers will have off so we'll hear from head coach scott frost matt davison will stop by mondays with matt adam rittenberg from espn will stop by give us his thoughts on what he saw this weekend and what's on tap here next weekend big one in south bend with two top five teams with clemson and notre dame and, of course, we'll look back at our weekend with our weekend rewind and hand out some weekend winner, winners tonight as well. If you want to be a part of the show, as always, feel free to call us up on our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, 531-500-4686, the number to get into the program here tonight. Uh, obviously, Woodhouse, as always, brought to you by our sponsors, our, our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience, a difference purchased with confidence this is Woodhouse. Well, Greg, officially Northwestern week. I think uh, we're all ready to be back on track. Today just felt weird for me. I, I was kind of out. I was obviously in football mode. I watched probably 20 hours of football this weekend, <laughs> but it didn't really feel – it felt like it did prior to our season starting. And, like, it, it, I don't know. I just feel like I got to get ramped up again for another game after going through one without, let's say, a, a week two bye. You like bye weeks. You don't like them. After one game, right? And Scott Frost kind of said that earlier today. I really want to start with what did we learn this week about Big Ten football? I mean, week one was so wacky. I'm not so sure that week two cleared up a lot of this. I mean, how does Michigan State, who gets beat and at home by Rutgers, and Rutgers is better, don't get me wrong, the Rutgers has made improvement, but they shouldn't go to Sparty and win. And then Sparty turns around and lowers the boom on Michigan who felt like they'd made a lot of progress. Friday night, Minnesota gets tripped up at Maryland. I thought some wretched play calling late in that game by P.J. Flack. I thought they got way too conservative trying to hang on to their lead. It ended up costing them. You had the, the debacle for Illinois having to sit out all those guys, and it does sound like only two or three of them are positive. That's a good thing for them. And then Northwestern wiping out a 17-point deficit at Iowa to win. I, it was a crazy weekend. I, I just want your thoughts about where this league is two weeks into this thing. 
I, well, it was weird watching that game on Friday because I mean, obviously it had started when we were on the air on Sports Nightly, and we were watching Maryland kind of take it to Minnesota early in that game. I think we all knew Minnesota would take control eventually and, and thought maybe they would do that um, on the ground. But Maryland just never went away. And Talia Tagovailoa, to his little brother, really bursted onto the scene and showed he could do it with his legs as well as his arm. But I'm, I'm with you. Ibrahim had, what, 45 carries in that game? He had over yeah. 40 carries in that game. And it, it's like he had no trust in Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman to get anything done through the air. And Ottman Bell made some really, really good catches and for whatever reason, they just, he just took the foot off the gra- off the gas, and so I'm with you. And then to me, why leave it in the hands of a walk on kicker who you very clearly had no confidence in when you could go win the game right there? And so I, I didn't like the decision to kick the PAT either when you know you you had what how many yards of offense and. It was very, yeah. It was very scared the way that that he called that game. That really set the tone to the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, I really thought Northwestern was going to crawl back into that game. There's no way I thought Iowa was going to win that game, thirty-eight-three or anything like that. Especially, you know, Northwestern basically handing them seventeen points. My my entire thought. I watched that game with my parents this weekend. That my entire thought was, how can Northwestern? get away with handing a team 17 points and win. And we've done that so many times and have lost. It's just, it was frustrating to me, but yeah, Iowa Northwestern starting 0 and two Michigan state, man. I mean, and then Jim Harbaugh's comments today. Did you catch what he said today? Saying that I did not some, no. que- some questionable calls in that game went against them and their corner caused their corners to play differently. Like you were a 24 point favorite. Like there are no, no amount of calls in the game that that should, you know, give them the upper edge by that much. So I know people in Ann Arbor are really hacked off at the product they saw on Saturday and their head coach's response. Just a really, really weird, weird day. I mean, and even that Penn State, Ohio State game, I thought Ohio State should have won that game by 30 plus. And instead it's a what? It's a two score game with, you know, under five minutes left. You and I were kind of texting back and forth saying, man, I feel like Penn State and Nebraska played Ohio State about as as evenly as they possibly could have. And look at the difference on the scoreboard between those two. Just a couple of things yeah. here and there. But it really was um, just a weird, weird weekend. And I'm not anticipating it to be any different from this point forward. I'm at, how about Illinois? The top two quarterbacks out. The number three quarterback plays one series and hurts a leg. He has to come out. So they go to the fourth guy. And Ben, they had a chance. They were the, the game ended with them down around the eight yard line. They had a, they had fourth down. They got, got bumped out of bounds about the eight yard line, so they didn't keep the drive alive. But they were going in for the game tying touchdown there with a four string quarterback. So now you're looking at those standings with Purdue at two and zero, Northwestern at two and zero. Minnesota 0-2, Iowa 0-2, and the Huskers obviously are 0-1, and, and, and Wisconsin's 1-0. But it puts a lot of importance, tying this back to the Huskers here, in Saturday's game in Evanston. Because if Nebraska can go up there and get a road win, all of a sudden they take Northwestern off the unbeaten sheet and give themselves a huge win in the head-to-head with Northwestern. 
this makes Saturday's game for Nebraska giant by what's happened in the first two weeks of this thing. Well, and here's the other thing we need to consider is does anybody have any idea the status of Wisconsin football right now? Like, I know they've said they've wanted to make an announcement by Wednesday, but I, I mean, if things are as bad in Madison as they made it sound this weekend, like, I don't know that this is just this should be a one game deal. I mean, from all the reports out there, Greg, like they were making this sound like, like they're not sure they could continue. I know that's a that's a way over the top exaggeration, but you know, hearing you know Barry Alvarez's comments late in the week about why they had to cancel the game with Nebraska, and then hearing his report again on College Game Day that said, well, you know. Just think about how misleading that sounds. You, we're up to 22 positive cases on our team. Okay, that implies that 22 players have it. Uh, and instead, well, you got to do a little, you got you got to do some searching to find out that you know there were 12 staff members and right. not even not even they didn't even specify coaches. I mean, those could be equipment managers, they could be video people, they could be recruiting people. We don't know. And 10 players. Like, when you say 22 players on our team have it, that implies that there are 22 players. And that's just not the case. So I don't know what's going on in Madison. I don't know what their whole approach to this thing is or what they hope is best-case scenario. But they sure painted the picture last week and even on Saturday that that it was a very massive outbreak, and they weren't sure when it was that they're going to be able to resume operations. Let's just assume that they play this week against Purdue. What, what type of situation will be in front of them. They obviously have 10 players now serving that 21-day um, protocol breach with the COVID, so you're already without two quarterbacks. So they're given the same problem that they would have had against Nebraska against Purdue without having Mertz, without having Wolf. So the only thing that's, that's changed is they've got more time to figure out a solution. And I don't know what's to come of these coaches or staff members, I should say, that have tested positive. So I guess that that that, that kind of fits into this landscape of what is happening in the Big Ten West. Like, you yeah. take Minnesota, you take Iowa out of the picture, your first thought, okay, well, it's Wisconsin's for the taking. No, I don't have any idea what is happening in, Minis- in Wisconsin. And quite frankly, after last week, I'm kind of done following them for a while. Like, I don't really care. I I don't really want to know what's going on in their camp. If they, if they play on Saturday, I'll watch them, but I'm kind of done following what, what they have to say for a while. I, I don't see how they play. I mean, because they added a couple of players even on Saturday when Barry Alvarez was on game day to up the ante to 22. And we don't know if it's gone up since then. It may have gone up since since Saturday. And that's been, it's been 48 hours since over 48 hours since he was on game day with that. But if you – and again, there are bylaws that you have to play six – to be eligible to play in the conference championship game. Well, they're right now at seven, so is Nebraska. If they miss this week, they're at six. They have no margin for error. You're right. I mean, this outbreak doesn't seem like it's gotten any better for them. If you look at the standings, the the most two damaging losses, in my eyes, would be to Iowa, right? Because they're both divisional games. They lost to Purdue and Northwestern. They're 0-2 in the the West. So they really are behind the eight ball now with a lot of games still to go for them. It has not been a a good start for the Hawkeyes. They had the lead most of the game against Purdue, blew that. They then had the huge lead against Northwestern, blew that. And then Smith-Marset gets busted for driving Mm – 
50 miles an hour over the speed limit on late Saturday night. That's another black eye for them and one of their better playmakers. Iowa's in some trouble right now. Um, yeah. And I, I'm with you on Wisconsin. I don't know. They may have to pull the plug in the season. They may be completely done. Well, here's the other thing. Two, two points quickly. Wisconsin hasn't played – or excuse me, Iowa hasn't played Minnesota yet. So there's another loss to at least one of them because they're both 0-2 right yeah. now. So yeah. they haven't even played each other yet. Iowa hasn't played Penn State yet, which is, a, you know, on paper their toughest game of the year. They haven't played them yet. And, and back to Wisconsin, they've already had two outbreaks in a six-week period. Even if they get right. over this, what's to say they don't have a third? Like, clearly they don't have any protocols under control or they don't have any – they don't have the rhythm down yet. They don't know how to, you know – protect themselves from from this virus to to make sure that they can play so even if you know they, they're over this by Purdue say okay well we've got six left you know we're going to finish the, the or whatever it is we're going to play the remainder of the games I mean it's right now can you assume that they play a whole nother you know a whole nother batch of games I, I don't know that you can with two outbreaks in six weeks but this Big Ten West has been absolutely I mean even go over to the east I mean Penn State Losing to Indiana yep. and and Michigan, losing to Michigan. So other than Ohio State, this conference has been utterly crazy. So I, yeah, I don't I don't know how you can you know predict from week to week what we're going to see. It's funny how we I, I don't know about you, but we noticed a little bit of a trend of this in college football before we got started playing in the Big Ten. And and there was a part of me that thought, yeah, Big Ten will probably just play closer to script though. Like you know things are just going to like I can't see this happening in the Big Ten, and yet here we are two weeks in, and it's just an utter crapshoot of who's going to play in, uh, in the Big Ten championship outside of Ohio State. Crazy stuff. Let me ask you this, and I know we're getting late to the break, and we want to get a lot of Scott Frost cuts in in the next segment. Did Penn State look much different to you playing the Buckeyes than Nebraska did the week before playing Ohio State? Did that game look much different? Yeah, I thought I thought Ohio State maybe had a little bit more of a difficult time moving the ball, but you still look at the total offense and they had 500 offense. They had two receivers over 100 yards. They ran the ball a heck of a lot better against Penn State than they did against us. Um, I think offensively, if it wasn't for Jahad Dotson, you know, he made a couple incredible plays late in that game to make – it was almost like the reverse. Like, we played super well in the first first quarter. Penn State played well in the fourth quarter. So, right. I mean, it's a little bit, you know, more difficult to, to kind of – to say. But Penn State, well, it wasn't 14-14 with five minutes left before halftime. They were kind of scraping together some drives and – and some points there late in the game and some pretty incredible plays by their wide receivers. So um, I would say no. I didn't, I didn't notice watching that. Like I said before, I, I felt like Penn State and Nebraska probably played Ohio State pretty even, even though scores were so far uh, on other ends of the spectrum. I mean, 52-17, and you know, they, they end up losing by 13 or something like that to, to Ohio State. It, it, it's misleading to me what the final scores indicated how the games went down on the field because – you know, Justin Fields was just as surgical against the Nittany Lions uh, on the road, nonetheless, as he was against Nebraska at home. Now, I know first game to second game, there should be improvement there. But I didn't see anything from Penn State that, that indicates to me that Nebraska doesn't belong on the same field as them next week when we play them. 
I agree. And because of what has already happened in the West, it's all out there for Nebraska. It is there for Nebraska. you got to go start winning games, and it starts Saturday in Evanston. That's why that makes that game really large coming up on Saturday at Ryan Field. We're back. Sports Island here on a Monday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Man, the weather was fantastic. It was gorgeous out today. Telling you, Ben, you gotta you gotta dust those sticks off one more time before this week gets gets past us. I know, right? Need to get out there and uh, lose a few more balls, you know, before before the calendar turns over. I thought Mick was inviting us to play some golf. What happened to that? Must have got lost in the mail. I don't know. Man, uh, I did beat him in fantasy football, so maybe that maybe yeah, that may have soured him. Yeah, my team Brett, hasn't been beating anybody, so I, I took Brett down. So, did you? So, oh, that was a couple weeks ago, though. You lost this week, right? Yeah, I've been losing a lot lately. Yeah. All right, uh, Scott Frost did meet with the media today. Back into a normal game week, we hope. Although he did, he did this last Monday as well. Before we heard about the cancellation of the Wisconsin game, what was on the coach's mind today? No, I think well. Um... You know, we had a movie, scary movie night on Halloween, tried to keep our guys from going to parties and uh, doing some dumb things. Had a lot of the team show up. Um, I, we've officially set a record for most practices with one game under your belt in the history of college football. There's no question about that. Uh, but I think the guys are learning to roll with the punches. Only so much you can take, really, at this point. you you got to just kind of – I mean, you can't really – Sure, you're not laughing, but you got to just take it and, and move on. He's frust- He seemed frustrated today. I mean, I thought his general demeanor was that way, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just kind of over it. That's yeah. that's the sense sense <laughs> yeah. of tone that I got. Um, well, obviously, the team that Nebraska was supposed to play last week uh, chose to pull the plug, and uh, there is that kind of guideline that that leaves that open from the Big Ten that. Unless you're red, red, it's up to the particular school and institution on, on making that decision. Coach Frost uh, making that determination or not regarding the COVID guidelines was asked about that today. Yeah, you know, I've uh, weighed in on my opinion on some of those decisions before, and it hasn't done any good. So I don't think I'll weigh in on my decision on on their decision on that. Uh, I know they left a. They, they left a provision in there for teams to decide if it wasn't safe uh, in their community or university to play, and that's what our last opponent chose to do, so we're on to the next one. I think that's the right answer there. Just, I mean, and I don't know if the, the question was designed for him to take the bait and say something you know, regarding Wisconsin, but just got to move on at this point. That's, it's it's uh, like spoiled milk, Bridget. Water under the bridge, you, you, it's gone. You got just like losing a game. You lose a game, you got to put it behind yep. you and get ready for the next week. Different type of loss this week. Yes. Uh, what what stands out about Northwestern com- from this year compared to last year, or even from his time in the league? Coach Frost talked about the Cats a little bit today. Um, you know, I've watched more defense than offense to this point. Um, you know, they they kind of whipped us on that side of the ball last year, and they look. They look the same or better this year. So, um, you know, I, obviously their their offense, I think, so far through two games is uh, doing a lot better than they did last year and, and looks to be pretty good to me. Um, 
but they're always going to be a, a smart, physical, disciplined team on both sides of the ball. And um, defense has been good since I've been in the league. So we'll have our work cut out for us. I don't know that this Northwestern team has any different characteristics on it from what I saw than what we've seen I, other than good good quarterback play. I don't know that this this Northwestern team looks any different than the ones we've seen in the past. So sound. He's right. I mean, they, they just don't make a lot of mistakes defensively. Sometimes you can out-athlete them some, but they're going to be in the right spot. They're really good at forcing mistakes and turnovers on your part, and they're going to make you earn every yard you get. Even if you – and I remember two years ago, Nebraska drove it right down the field early in the game for a touchdown. You're like, this could be easy. Well, they adjust, they change it up, then they make it difficult on you to get some stuff done. Uh, and my goodness, has Patty Fisher been in the league like 17 years? Good. Mm. Can, he, can he move on? Yeah, no kidding. He, he's all over the place. We'll talk about Patty Fisher more here in just a second. But Coach Frost was asked about how he handled having an unexpected week off with a holiday and then uh, a bizarre week this week with Election Day tomorrow. We're making it up as we go along. <laughs> I'm being honest. Uh, you got to have a feeling for where your team is. Um, we played one game and and we're done for two weeks. It's hard. It's hard to predict those things so we just got to make a daily call and um keep trying to get our guys better without risking them risking their health too much regarding the physicality of of the team in practice and how you handled that uh, i know we received a couple of questions on sports nightly, sports nightly last week about are they going to scrimmage uh, have a red white scrimmage the answer was no they practiced on saturday but um i mean you don't want to get your guys hurt for what's hope hope Hopefully a long stretch of games here. Probably did some good on good ones on ones the last 10 days or so. But, yeah, you just can't take the risk of having somebody roll an ankle, pop a knee, that type of thing, pop a shoulder. You just you can't do that. You got Because now we're hopefully, fingers crossed, we have seven straight weeks of playing football. How much was has Coach Frost had to act as somebody that, that helps the team uh, stay positive through all of the ups and downs? of the season and how the how the team has been handling all the curveballs that have been thrown their way so far in 2020. Yeah, uh, Sean, to this point, the kids are kind of like I am. They're, they're kind of callous to the whole thing. Um, you know, I told them uh, at one point that I think it thought it was going to go to a, you know, we had to scramble to try to find an opponent to, to fill the game and um, we just want to let our kids play and the kids just want to play um not everybody was available so in about a few hours we came up with one that was going to be able to pcr that test test their kids on a thursday and a friday and fly here and we could test them again um we told the kids we were going to try uh told them it was probably going to go to a vote of the big 10 whether they're going to let us or not we tried to do it the right way um I don't think they were very confident when they heard that, and they were right. Uh, so we didn't get to play. Uh, the, you know, the kids kind of laugh about those things now. More than anything, they just want to be on the field competing, and um, hopefully, we get a chance through this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard any anything going on with Northwestern at least early in the week. So that would indicate to me that uh, that this game, that this game is going <laughs> to be played. Uh, and Northwestern again is a you know one of the teams that necessarily you know weren't the ones out there trudging and marching to to get the season back. They kind of stood by at a ten thousand foot view and let everybody else do the talking. So 
you know, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But one of the players on Northwestern that you talked about a little bit already, Patty Fisher, is back. Uh, again, has been at Northwestern forever, multiple time, all-conference performer. Coach Frost was asked about him and what makes him such a good player. He's impressive. Um, you know, he... He, he just finds a way to make plays. Uh, that's what you got to say about their whole defense. They're in the right place. Their eyes are good. They all see the ball thrown. They all rally. They tackle well in space. Uh, they're physical up front. Um, they do a great job, the players and the coaches. Uh, he's obviously been the leader of that for a few years now, and I'll, I'll be glad when he's out of the league. <laughs> He's just everywhere. I mean, he's all over the field all the time. And, you know, that's what that's just what makes a great linebacker who's always around the ball and, and always making plays. As we mentioned to start the show, Huskers will be up in Evanston at Ryan Field. Um, supposed to have a home game last week. Didn't happen. So two straight road games for the Huskers to start 2020. Coach Frost was asked about that, uh, not getting that home game and going back on the road for game two. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um... Now we want to play, and we want to play in Lincoln. We want to play in front of fans. Uh, you know, it's just not a normal year. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's kind of Murphy's Law right now, uh, missing a game, missing a home game, all the things that are happening. Uh, I think our kids have a little bit of chip on their shoulder, and um, now I don't know what will happen Saturday. We're playing a really good team, but I know our kids are going to play hard. He had to bite his tongue three or four times during this media session, Ben, to not step in it, not overstate, you know, how frustrated they are with the league, with some of the decisions that have been handed down by the league. And that was another attempt with that question was, well, really tough to have to start season with two road games. Well, I mean, he, he, that's why I think he kind of is like, God, I just, I'm, I'm tired of talking about what the league's been doing, how we've not really gotten our way. I just want to talk about the game and getting ready for Northwestern. And I yeah. think that kind of added to his mood today. Well, and it's, he's in such a tough spot because, you know, our media is asking him questions about this stuff, trying yeah. to write stories and do whatever they need to do. But at the same time, everything, every time he says something, it gets amplified by a thousand and all of a sudden Nebraska is the bad guy. And all, and all it does, every time he was asked a question like that today, I'm thinking, okay, what four seconds is the national media going to pick out of this cut saying, Oh, here's Scott Frost whining again. Here he goes complaining that, you know, Nebraska didn't get home games or, or whatever. When he, all he's doing is answering the questions <laughs> that are asked to him. And, you know, at some point, you know, and he even started, started the press conference today with kind of coy responses. And, you know, at some point, I don't blame him. I don't blame him for just, you know, not, not speaking his mind and just giving the cliche answer and move on because everything he says is under a microscope right now. And, Everybody in the world, including Paul Feinbaum, who doesn't watch Big Ten football, doesn't care about Big Ten football, doesn't pay attention to anything happening around Big Ten football. He's all SEC all the time. Now all of a sudden he's an expert on Nebraska and Scott Frost. So, again, I just keep the sound bites away. Just keep Nebraska out of the, the limelight. And it's like I said, it's a tough spot because the media is asking him questions about it. And what's he going to do? Just not answer the question? It's I don't know. It's it's a it's definitely a tough spot for him to be in. Um, okay, we were talking a little bit about the game this week, and last week we were asked a ton about a situation regarding Nebraska's defense, including a couple of 
uh, of calls. And, and once again, instead of just asking Coach Frost if Deontay Williams and Cam Taylor Britt are eligible to play, there was a second part to the question about what he thought of the rule <laughs> of, of, him, uh, of them not being able to play, trying to maybe bait him into an answer. But here's what he did have to say regarding the suspensions. Uh, no, Sip, Sip I've, I've been I've been through this before. Um, you know, I, we've we've missed games because of hurricanes two years in a row, and a lightning storm, and now coronavirus. And um, we're kind of old hands at this. But we've had a a kid that was suspended, and then we miss a game, and the suspension carried over to the next game. Um, certainly, don't think that's necessarily fair to these kids, especially. Uh, you know, we're, we're down. 33% of our original season now. Uh, we're down to eight games if we get total, if we get to play them all uh, from here on out. So it, it's an awfully big penalty, uh, considering I thought at the very least those calls were, one call at least was cl very close. And um, it's too bad for the kids that aren't, are getting the opportunity to, to play taken away and are going to miss a half on top of that. Yeah, again, tough spot for him to be in and tough spot for Cam Taylor Britt and Deontay Williams will have to sit again this week against a very good Northwestern team. You know, I I, I love a lot of the guys that, that cover Husker football, and, and they're in a tough spot because they've only had one game to to get some, some things that they want to ask. But it just seemed like today, and this session lasted 15, 16 minutes long, it just seemed like they kept kind of pushing him into a corner to to, to go off, and, and there was another case. I mean, yeah, the, the media people know these suspensions carry over. Why not ask a question about who who steps up, who who's going to get those spots, who's getting that playing time in the first half? Uh, I I don't know. I, again, I just think he 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 had to do a lot of tap dancing today at his press conference. Yeah, and I think we're going to start to see more and more of that as the season unfolds, especially if everything that any anything from Nebraska says gets twisted in the direction that yeah. it has so far. Uh, what about the confidence that the that the, the of the strides the team is making and where he feels the team is right now? Uh, we're doing little things better to win in this league. You got to block, you got to tackle, you got to get open, and you got to cover, and you got to play smart. Um, the margin of error in this league there's too many good teams so the margin of error is real thin um i feel like for two years we've kind of found ways to to not win even two years up the uh, ago up in northwestern um i think it was 90 yards to five yards in penalties and we lost turnover battles and um you know had a 15-yard penalty on a last drive where we pinned them on the one and they go down and score and get to overtime and we get another penalty and snap the ball through our quarterbacks. You know, we've just found ways to not win. Uh, you can't do that against a good team like Northwestern, a uh, team that's not going to beat themselves. So, um, I think just from a maturity standpoint, our kids have turned a corner. I think they're they're doing the fundamentals things better. Uh, but we got we got to win a game sometime and get confidence and, and build on that. I, I... I can't believe I, I went back this afternoon and watched that 2018 game against Northwestern. It, hard to do because of how sick I felt. I couldn't finish watching the last drive of regulation, and I didn't watch overtime. I just I couldn't relive that. But, man, Nebraska was up up 10 points with five and a half minutes left, and they had no timeouts and on the one-yard line to go down and score. Just sickening to go to 0-6 on the year. 
But that cut right there, Coach Frost talking about what Nebraska has done to lose games. What does Northwestern do to avoid those things? How, how do you get there? How do you get to the point to where you're not doing those things to lose games? He talked about Northwestern, what they do to not put themselves in that situation. Um, it's probably a lot of things. It's good coaching. Um, it's having a veteran team. Uh, it's probably having a lot of smart kids on your team. You know, you can't be, you can't be a dummy and get into Northwestern. So, I think the kids that play football there are probably the type of kids every parent wants their daughter to marry. You know, smart, extremely smart kids that are athletic and going to be successful in life. And those kind of kids, probably pretty good at being disciplined and not making a mistake. Nebraska's got to find a way to get to that point sooner rather than later. Sure do. That's that's been the thing, right? We've talked about it over and over and over again. Little things here and there have cost Nebraska so many games the last couple of years. You've got to learn how to flip those five or six plays and win more of those five or six plays or have them go your direction. Uh, so that'll be the challenge, and it gets going again for Nebraska on Saturday. It's a game week, right? Yeah, it is. Think positive. Think positive. Think positive. Huskers set to travel to the north side. Take on the Cats. 11 a.m. Saturday, 6 a.m. Bright and early. Opening drive. Jeremiah Searles will join me for that. All right. Big hour coming up. Monday's with Matt. About ready to jump in here. Matt Davidson, the color analyst of the Oscar Sports Network. We'll check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. He covers college football from coast to coast. We'll get his take on some of the happenings over the weekend. The near miss for the Clemson Tigers as BC really pushed Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, who will not be available this week as the Tigers travel to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish. We'll have some fun with Adam uh, this hour here on Sports Audio. And as always, phone lines open and available for you. 531-500-4686 at is our phone line. Also... Our text line, U.S. Cellular, is the proud sponsor and official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker Nation. Mondays during the football season, none better to break it down for us than Matt Davison. Time now for the weekly breakdown. What a memorable first game at home in the Big Ten Conference. With color analyst and former national champion. All the games played for this historic program, all the great rushing days that we've seen over the years and way beyond my lifetime, and we've seen the best one here today against the top 10 team. It's Mondays with Matt Davison on Sports Nightly. Well, a rare Halloween weekend off. Did you get to go out and trick-or-treat it all over the weekend? Oh, yeah. We, we walked around the neighborhood and, and uh, took Teddy out. He was Herbie Husker for his his uh, Halloween this year. A uh, little one year old dressed as Herbie. So, um, yeah, we had some fun. It was you know we'd rather had a game obviously, but at least we were able to get a little family time on Saturday night. Good. Well, uh, the the old adage is you you make the most improvement from week one to week two with the added practices in there. Have you seen this team take advantage of that practice time to become a better football team? Yeah, you know, I, I, we've had so many practices up to this point, Greg. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I don't know if it's 60 or 70. It might be over 70 practices now. And so just one game, that's obviously a, a lot of practices with, with few games. So 
We'd have preferred to have had a game rather than have extra practices for Northwestern. Um, obviously, we did find out that you know, ahead of time that we weren't going to play. So we had a couple extra days in there to watch film on Northwestern and try to get the guys ready, get the game plan ready to go. But at this point, you need game reps. You need to get out there and have competition against other people, and especially for your young players to, to get them going and get them reps in game situations is better than practice. So I think they've gotten better for sure. But at the same time, you know, we need to get some game reps under our belt and, and uh, you know, look forward to playing on Saturday. Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald said today, what a big advantage for Nebraska to, to not have to play. They had a big, tough physical game with Iowa on Saturday. You buying that, or is that just plain coach speak? Oh, I mean, hey, I, I like <laughs> Pat, man. He's a he's a good guy, great coach. Um, so he's saying what he needs to say to get his guys ready, I think, uh, to get them focused. But early in the season, you'd rather play a game. And and so I don't think there's an advantage to not playing in week two for sure. If this was week seven or eight or nine, maybe you could say that if your team was beat up. Uh, but right now we just we need to play games. So I, I don't really see it as an advantage for us this week. That's for sure. Okay, those two guys in the secondary are going to have to sit out this week. What what names do you expect to get some playing time in that first half until you get Cam Tater, Britt, and Deontay Williams back on the field? Well, some of the guys that that uh, will probably be out there are Quentin Newsom. Uh, you'll probably see Farmer back there at at safety. Uh, we have a couple freshmen that you'll probably see quite a bit in the game as well in the first half. And if we go to nickel or dime or any of that stuff, so uh, there's going to be opportunity for young guys. I think they're good players, Greg, and so it's a real opportunity for them to go out and show what they can do. Uh, they were guys that were probably going to play for us at some point throughout the year anyway because uh, they deserve to play. Uh, Noah Poli Gates is another guy that, that I think you'll see out there. So, um, you know, these guys have practiced hard. They're ready to go. And, yeah, we wish we had a full deck. Uh, what, you, what you can't have now is in the first half have another guy go down um, because you already have Braxton Clark who was out for the season with, with an injury, and so that hurt the secondary depth right there. Then you have a couple guys out for the first half. So, you know, it's a, it's a big penalty, and, you know, we'll deal with it and move on, but it definitely strains the depth in the secondary for sure. What do you make of these cats? Off to a 2-0 and start, they took care of Maryland and then slugged one out with Iowa on Saturday. What do you make of Fitz's team? I think they're good. I think they're really good. You know, they, they're a very disciplined team. Uh, defensively, they're just really sound, really good. Iowa was able to score off of some turnovers with short fields, but for the most part, the defense played well for Northwestern. Uh, Patty Fisher's a stud in the middle on defense, and, and um, you know, they, they just, they know where they're supposed to be. They don't beat themselves. They, uh, they don't really run into the wrong gap. They don't have broken coverages. You're not really going to trick them. They kind of keep everything in front. So big plays are tough. So they kind of make you work your way down the field with long drives and hope you make a mistake. And, and those are the things that we can't do. Uh, penalties and turnovers have, have hindered us in a number of games and over the last couple of years. And it, it hurt us against Ohio State too. So you got to take care of the football. You have to execute every play without fumbling a snap or getting a holding call and playing behind the sticks. And if you do those things, I think we can move the ball. But, but uh, they make you earn it every single snap and and so they're just disciplined on defense and you know they have a transfer quarterback come in that i think makes them better on offense and and so they're just a, a really good team and it's going to take great effort to go up there and beat them 
This is our Mondays with Matt segment. Matt Davis and the color analyst for the Husker Sports Network here on Sports Nightly. The, since we joined this league, hasn't this series been remarkable? I, I don't know how we, what, why we, there's no reason to not expect this game to be close. It's just been an amazing series. Yeah, and they play a lot of close games uh, anyway. And in the Big Ten, it seems to be that way overall. But, you know, you look at some of their games against Iowa and and uh, Nebraska for sure those two they play a, a lot of close games and I think this will be another one of those probably going to come down in the last couple possessions most likely and you know you have to go go out and try to get a W up there two years ago we had a nice lead in the fourth quarter and pinned them uh, in regulation on the one yard line and they had to go 99 yards we helped them with a couple of penalties on that drive and they tie the football game and then beat us in overtime and it was a heartbreaker uh, but they beat us, and then last year we squeaked one out against them. So I think it'll it'll be a similar game. I think it'll be back and forth, and, and probably neither team is going to run away with this one. It's probably going to be a close game. Our guys have to be prepared for that and try to make a few plays down the stretch to get a W. All right, enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, we'll look forward to being in the booth with you on Saturday. All right, buddy. Hopefully, hopefully we get this one in, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. We're back Monday Night Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. And as we do each and every Monday during the college football season, a chance to check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. He covers the national scene for ESPN.com. And Adam, the biggest story of the week revolves around Clemson and Trevor Lawrence had to sit out last week's game. They were pushed, were the Tigers by BC, but they prevail. Now they get ready for Notre Dame. How much, how big of an impact is that in your eyes? Well, you know, it's significant. Um, you know, he's he's the, probably the number one overall draft pick in the 2021 NFL draft, even though I know he left the door open to possibly returning. That's where he's projected. That's just how good of a player he is. And, you know, combination with Travis Etienne, who Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly called the best running back in the country, and I don't think he would get any argument with that. Um, it's just a, a, an incredible backfield. And, uh, you know, again, they got the young guy uh, who, who did, an, I think, a pretty nice job last week in terms of rallying Clemson from behind to beat Boston College. But this is a different test. And, you know, even though Notre Dame Stadium won't be packed, it's a, a historic place at night. You know, Notre Dame's defense has been playing at a really high level, Greg. We just lost Sam. We'll try to call him back, get him back on there. His cell phone dropped out on us as we move along here on a Monday night of Sports Honey here on the Husker Sports Network. Uh, Cell phone technology just dropped Adam right off. We'll get him back here in just a second. That Notre Dame game with with Clemson is Saturday night in prime time on NBC. You're going to have kind of dueling prime time games as ABC will have a prime time game from week one of the Pac-12 conference. You have a couple of choices to be locked into on Saturday night. And the weather's supposed to be pretty good because it's going to be really good in Chicago. So South Bend is right around the lake from Chicago. All right, you were you're talking about the challenge for Clemson going into going into play Notre Dame on Saturday. Yeah, right. So obviously, without Trevor, it's it's a big challenge, and, and in combination with Notre Dame's defense, uh, you know, again, since the halftime of Florida State game has played at a really high level. Um, I think only I think maybe two touchdowns allowed. Uh, in the last few games. And so uh, it's going to be a real challenge. You know, Travis Etienne is going to have to have a big game. Uh, and the offensive line is going to have to have a big game for, for Clemson. And their defense is going to have to play well. I think one of the, the maybe the matchup of this game, Greg, is going to be that younger but incredibly talented defensive front of Clemson with Brian Bercy and, and other top recruits going against an offensive line that many coaches think is right up there with Alabama's 
as the best in the country, a veteran group, a big group. I talked with an ACC coordinator tonight who said it looks like they're all 35 years old. And, and so it's, it, you know, they have the experience, Edge, on Clemson. So can they protect Ian Book? Can they create running lanes for a group that I know Brian Kelly is really confident in at running back? And then can Notre Dame make some plays down the field with their receiving core, which has been a little bit up and down. So I'm fascinated to see how this one turns out. Obviously, it would have been better to see Trevor Lawrence out there, um, but, uh, but this is a big one for Notre Dame to, uh, to really assert itself as a team that can play with Clemson. Saw some comments today from Coach Kelly that I think he feels underappreciated. Was that, would that be fair to say? With kind of, he was defending a program and that they're twenty nine and three in their last thirty two and they've won twenty two straight at home and on and on and on. Do you think he has that feeling that not enough people respect what he's done the last couple of years? Yeah, he was a little prickly today, and I, I kind of liked it. Um, I, I liked that edge from Brian Kelly going into a big game like this. And he had a couple. Of, yeah, he, he mentioned several times that twenty nine and three record that they've had, which has been phenomenal, obviously. Yep. But, but has it been enough? You know, and Brian, again, I always appreciate his honesty. I think he's often misunderstood. He's very upfront about the fact that, that at Notre Dame, the goal is to win the national championship. And, but, but, again, the goal this year, and, he, and that was interesting, again, what he said today, the goal this year is different because they're a member of the ACC. And so to get to the playoff, they most likely have to win the ACC championship game. And so he said, you know, our goal obviously is to beat Clemson this week, but we know if we beat Clemson and we lose to Boston College next week, this win, you know, it, it would certainly be, be devalued by that. So, uh, you know, being in a, a conference race is, is different than trying to boost your resume for playoff selection. You know, Notre Dame always had to do that until this year. So it, it, it just creates another interesting dynamic here. You know, Brian Kelly, very, very aware, as are his players, that even if they beat Clemson on Saturday, there's a pretty good chance they'd be seeing them again in the ACC championship game. And if they don't beat them then, then they don't have any guarantees. Could they get into the playoff as an at-large? Sure. But uh, you, you beat Clemson to win the ACC championship. That, that's a, a much surer path of getting into the playoff and then competing for the only goal that really matters at Notre Dame and that's a national championship. No doubt. Another team that has aspirations of being in the playoff is Cincinnati. And, Adam, are they a playoff caliber team in your eyes, and will they have any crack at this thing if they run the table? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. You know, in a normal season, you know, Cincinnati would have at least one opportunity to prove itself against the Power Five. The problem this year as we all know, there haven't been those opportunities. So, you know, they can certainly uh, continue to win impressively in the AAC, but is that going to be enough, even at undefeated, to get over the hump against some of these other contenders? So it'll, it'll be a very interesting test case because Cincinnati uh, defensively, I think, is as good as any team out there. Uh, and that's been sort of the hallmark of Luke Fickle you know, throughout his career, certainly during his time at Cincinnati with Marcus Freeman, you know, both their connections to Ohio State shining through with the way that they defend. And then offensively, I've been really impressed with what they, they've done because they weren't a great offense at times, even the last two seasons. They weren't a great offense early this season, but they've been really good lately. And so they're, they're really rounding into a, a complete team. It's just a shame that they don't have that opportunity against a Power 5 opponent to show, hey, we can beat these guys and compete with these guys and we deserve that opportunity to be the, the first group of five team to get into the playoff. Yeah, I've been impressed every time I've been able to flip them on and watch them. What happened at the big house, and how much does that turn the heat up on Jim Harbaugh? 
Yeah, I, I think the feeling after this one, uh, Greg, you know, they've lost big games there before, although they, they've been much better at home than on the road in terms of those bigger games. But this felt different because they were uh, such a big favorite coming in to, you know, Michigan State, uh, a first-year head coach in Mel Tucker who was hired in February, who barely had any time to work with his team before the season. Michigan State had a number of opt-outs. I know it's a rivalry game. I know Michigan State has been good in this series, obviously, for quite some time. But that's, you know, almost a borderline inexcusable loss for, for Harbaugh. You know, after the good feelings they had coming out of the Minnesota game, I know we can talk about Minnesota and the fact they don't really play much defense, but, you know, Michigan you know, should have won that game, and they didn't. And, you know, now you have to really question whether this thing can, can ever get to a level where, where Michigan fans are going to be excited. I mean, they got Indiana this week. Indiana's playing at a really high level. We obviously know they have Ohio State later, but they still have Wisconsin. So this could be a Michigan team with, you know, two, three, four losses, who knows, by the time they face Ohio State. And then there'll be some big questions because, you know, Jim Harbaugh, unusual uh, in many ways, including his contract situation, which, which expires at the end of the, 20, uh, to, uh, the 2021 season. You don't see that very often for a coach that's had the type of success he's had. So is this it for Harbaugh? If it continues in this direction, it's certainly possible, but that was definitely a big step back for Michigan on Saturday. Ooh, sure was. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com with us here on Sports Nightly. All right, let's, let's move ahead to this weekend. Obviously, a lot of eyes will be on South Bend, but also Georgia-Florida matchup and their annual battle. This is a bit of an elimination game, isn't it? Maybe even for the East and certainly for the playoffs. Yeah, right. I think the two-loss team would have a very tough time getting in but then you mentioned it, the East. I mean, this has been the game that sort of shaped the East division. And Kirby Smart has had Dan, Dan Mullen's number. And there's a feeling that if, if Mullen is ever to get uh, smart, it's this year. You know, Georgia um, you know, has had some issues on offense. Uh, didn't only scored 14 points in their win at Kentucky last week. And then they have, you know, several issues on defense with injuries. There's a very scary incident with, with Richard LeCount. There's an outstanding safety who was in a, uh, some type of traffic accident. After the game on Saturday, um, you know, they have some defensive linemen who might be out. So it's a, it's a banged-up Georgia defense going against a Florida offense that we know can score points with Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and, and an improved offensive line. Uh, the Georgia defense, though, Kirby Smart has had Todd Grantham's number over his career. And, uh, you know, George obviously has roots at Georgia as the former coordinator there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, Georgia's probably going to run the ball a lot and try to control the line of scrimmage and, and, and grind out a win. Can they do that again with an undermanned defense? Or is, is Florida finally going to get this win and, and, and get to the SEC championship game? And, Adam, here comes the Pac-12, finally jumping into the fray this weekend. A couple of interesting matchups, and, and maybe Oregon starts to build their case starting this weekend, right? Well, they have to. I mean, for a Pac-12 team to get any consideration, they're going to have to win out and win impressively. And I think the two teams that we're all watching, Oregon and, and USC, and, and for Oregon, you know, I, I, I had a piece today on ESPN.com looking at the league and, and kind of posing the question, are they still the favorite? You know, they obviously won the league. They won the Rose Bowl last year, but they had some significant opt-outs uh, in recent weeks. Panay Sewell, the Outland Trophy winner, the best offensive lineman in the country, he opted out. Devon Holland, a projected first-round pick in the secondary, opted out. Thomas Graham, also a starter in the secondary, 
opted out and, they, you know, with a new quarterback, new, new offensive coordinator and Joe Moorhead. So is Oregon still the team to beat? Probably. But this is a big one this week against Stanford. I think Stanford is going to be an improved team if they can stay healthy. They really like their quarterback in Davis Mills. I think they'll be improved on defense. Than, 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 than the last year or so. And so it'll be a test right off the bat for Oregon. But, uh, yeah, uh, definitely an opportunity for them to, to say, hey, look over here. We're part of this playoff race as well. Yeah. What are you hearing out of Madison? Do you think the Badgers get on the field this week? Yeah, so, so just the, 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 the little things I've heard this afternoon and evening are, are more promising. Uh, that doesn't mean that the game won't get canceled, but I, I think that there's a, a, a better chance now than certainly there was late last week or even on Saturday when, when Barry Alvarez went on college game day and relayed the latest numbers. I think Wisconsin's been able to slow the spread in its program. It's just will, will they have enough time? You know, if they, you know, the earliest they can resume activities, as you know, is on Wednesday. Is that enough time to prepare for a, a, a pretty good Purdue team that's 2-0? and um, I think they'll try everything they can to get this game in, and I, I'm a little bit more optimistic today than I was a few days ago. Probably, if you just look around the country, it's probably not the last cancellation in the Big Ten, is it? Well, I, I obviously you hope that that was the yeah. only one. Um, it just depends. You know, one thing that's been interesting, and Jeff Brom was actually talking about this at Purdue today, you know, I, I was under the impression that, you know, with the daily testing, that contact tracing would not be an issue. And he said the same thing. He was under that impression, too. What, what's happened, though, is because players are not always in the facility, if, if there is a contact and they get it from outside the facility, you can get into contact tracing. You saw that with Illinois. They, they, before their game against Purdue this week, last weekend, they, they said two players had COVID, including starting quarterback Brandon Peters. But then they, they listed a number of players who were then in contact tracing out for both the Purdue game and the Minnesota game this week. So that's something to monitor. I thought contact tracing was not going to be a big issue in the Big Ten. It has clearly affected some teams not enough to cancel a game yet other than the Wisconsin situation. But that's something that, again, I, I, we're all learning about this testing and everything, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's certainly something to, to, to monitor that it does impact the Big Ten. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend's games, and we'll chat again next Monday. You too. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, here we are. Sports Nightly, Monday night. Does Tom Brady ever beat the Giants, Ben? <laughs> kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> watching that happen, watching that unfold. Better win tonight. That's a bad Giants team. Yeah. All right, coming up this hour, we'll have our weekend rewind. Ben's been busy, hard at work, putting all that together for us. We'll have that. And at the end of the hour, we'll have our weekend winners, and we'll have some open phones and some thoughts as we make our way through. Let's get the hour underway with the rewind. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat has taken the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. From the 39 in Dallas, here's a short throw down the middle, caught by Ingram. Caught at the 35, went to the 30. Now the cat running the other way, and so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25, near the 24-yard line. They've stopped playing. The players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. Now a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. Let's check out the highlights. Steven Jackson's David. Reggie Miller's looking good. He shoots a three, and it's good. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. It's the Weekend Rewind with Ben McLaughlin. 
Dynamite going boom is pretty much what's happened to the entire Big Ten football conference through the first <laughs> couple of weeks. It's just been a, a mess Crazy. for the conference. And for and for Kevin Warren, you know, wa- watching uh, you know some of the league favorites lose, probably not the best. He's got his uh, hat hung on the Buckeyes to make his conference look superior in the end. We'll start with Ohio State and State College against Penn State, and boy, the Buckeyes picked up right where they left off against Nebraska. Now a receiver moving in motion. Fields gets the ball, fakes a run, throws into the left corner of the end zone, complete for the touchdown to Ruckert, the tight end, who slipped to the left corner of the end zone and ran under the football. The second time Fields and Ruckert have hooked up for a score. First time in Ohio State football history, Greg. Two receivers have started the season with back-to-back 100-yard games. In this case, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, each with 100 yards in the first two games. First time that's ever happened in the history of the program. They're both really good. They love some of their true freshmen, but right now it's Olave and Wilson doing almost all the damage for that offense. Yeah, you know who would take a few of those guys? The team up north. But Ohio State mm-hmm. definitely not going to help out old Michigan as Michigan State goes on the road and shocks the Wolverines. Lombardi in the gun. Takes the snap. He's back to throw. Pressure coming. Throws underneath. It's a screen. It's got room. It's going to be a touchdown. Michigan State Hayward. A screen pass from Lombardi to Hayward. Hayward grabs the screen pass and scores, and that puts away Michigan. They do get a late touchdown, chance at an onside kick. Spartans recover. Rocky Lombardi, 323 yards, three scores. How about Ricky White for Michigan State? Eight catches, 196 yards, and a score. 24-point favorites for Michigan, and that's all they score, 24. And Mel Tucker's first win as a Spartan is a huge one. Sure is. I mean, boy, did that buy him some – Brownie points, him doing that. Did you see today the Michigan defensive back coach was not at work? Huh. And they said uh, he's going to be working from home. So-and-so's taking over that group in the interim. Okay. Well, maybe that's the issue. There's your scapegoat. Let's blame it on the DB coach. Yeah, lose a a couple of corners from last year's team, and and Uh it's his fault. So, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, do, you're a 24-point you, favorite and you lose. Do you sense the end is near for him? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I popped on uh, Michigan's Twitter just to look at the comments and see how other fans are, are feeling about uh, their program, and it was um, oh, it was pretty bad. Not good. You know, from, Not good. From what I saw, fans are, are ready for a change, and uh, I can't remember who said it, but one of the one of the big voices in college football called Jim Harbaugh the most expensive underperforming coach in the country, and I happen to agree with it. I mean, where do they not? Where where do they go? Where do they go from there? I don't know. I mean, Harbaugh was the slam dunk hire that right. was supposed to get them over the hump, but I don't know. I don't know where they go after that. Do they dare go try and get Luke Fickle from their uh, from their rival? Pull him out of the rival state? Ooh, maybe that'd be a story. Yeah. What's also a story is what's uh, happening in Bloomington, Indiana. They go on the road and take on a 1-0 Rutgers team trying to improve themselves to 2-0. Out of this pistol look, one of the throw it, does throw it, touchdown easily, and Peyton Hendershot pulls it in for an easy two-yard score. And Indiana answers immediately the Rutgers touchdown previously. 
Peyton Hendershot, one of the better tight ends in the Big Ten, hauls it down. Three touchdowns from Michael Penix Jr. In Indiana, Greg, 17th ranked, 2-0 after a 37-21 win over Rutgers. We we saw it. We we put them in our preseason top 25. Now, I didn't know that we could see them beating Penn State week one, but how about they now host Michigan, and Michigan's the favorite. Yeah. It's one of those lines you do a double take. You're like, well, wait a minute. They just lost to Michigan State. Indiana's got some confidence in going, and yet you're still oh, – that seems crazy to me. We'll see on Saturday. Here we are. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, just utter utter craziness happening right now around the league. And um, you've had an 0-1 team in Illinois taking on a 1-0 team in Purdue. Illinois bit by the COVID bug as starting quarterback Brandon Peters out for the game. Purdue would end up holding on for the win. They were outscored 14 nothing in the fourth quarter, but Purdue ends up winning 31-24. How about Aiden O'Connell, 29 of 35, only six incompletions, 371, and two scores. So this could be even more of an indictment uh, coupled with Graham Mertz's uh, performance in week one. Everyone wanted to give him all the props, but then you get a guy like Aiden O'Connell who throws way more passes than Mertz, completes 29 of 35. This could be more of an indictment on Illinois' pass defense and secondary than it is on Mertz and O'Connell. That group is just having a hard time covering anybody. They are. Um, O'Connell's pretty good, Ben. He, he does a good job. He sees the field well. He makes good decisions. Plus, I think it's the system, don't you? I get the yeah. feeling after watching Coach Brom now for a couple years, you could plug in Austin Orman. Well, that's not, maybe not a good example. <laughs> you could get about anybody, put them in there, and they'd be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, imagine what this team would look like with Rondale Moore. David Bell has taken over the lion's share of that, and and Wright is doing a great job as well. And how about Xander Horvath? He's probably the least sexy running back in the conference. You know, you just big bulldozer type back. He's been over 100 yards in both games for Purdue. One of those games was over Iowa. Man, what a crazy game for the Cats as they were down 17-0 in the first quarter, but come roaring back. Aiden Ramsey, back from center, gives to Brown. Brown to the goal line, and touchdown! Backed his way into the end zone. His second touchdown today, and the Wildcats have tied it with 6.05 to go in the third quarter. And would take the lead on a PAT. 21-20, Northwestern's defense comes up with a couple huge turnovers and stops at the end of the game to hold Iowa, and the Hawkeyes, Greg, 0-2 on the year. Man, um, what a game because Iowa was seen to be getting all the breaks early, jumped after that 17-0 lead, and Northwestern kind of stayed with their game plan, didn't panic, and did what Northwestern does, kind of gets, gets it to the fourth quarter with a chance. Their defense made plays, and they're off and going. And boy, they got, they got to be scratching their heads in Iowa City right now with the start that they've had. Going to have to figure some things out, yeah. figure it out quickly. Let's move to the top 25. Boy, it was a story in Death Valley. Taking on with Clemson and Boston College is obviously no Trevor Lawrence. Boston College 28-13 at the half. They were up two scores. A lot of attention on DJ Uagalele, the quarterback for Clemson, backup quarterback. Played really well, actually, I thought, for yeah. the Tigers. 20, or excuse me, 30 of 41, 342, two scores passing. Had a big touchdown run as well. The Clemson defense comes to life and shuts out BC in the second half. They end up winning 34-28. But this thing was a ball game for 60 minutes. 
BC's sneaky, right? I mean, they'll just hang around and hang around. Um, and now here you go. Now you got the big matchup, right? Notre Dame Clemson Saturday night in South Bend and no Trevor Lawrence again. So that young freshman's going to have to do it for the Tigers on Saturday night on the road. Yeah, it was interesting watching that game happen. If Clemson were to lose that game, the committee, of course, would have said, you know, no Trevor Lawrence, but Uigalele played very well. I mean, he yeah. wasn't the reason why Clemson would have lost that game. Um, you know, there are some weird things that happened, the 97-yard scoop and score. But BC shut down Travis Etienne, 20 carries, just 84 yards. And um, Etienne did all of his, his work through the air receiving with 140 yards receiving. But, yeah, it was interesting watching that game unfold. You mentioned the competitiveness that Boston College had. Mississippi State decided to leave that at home. Mm-hmm. And Alabama just had their way with the Bulldogs. Mississippi State. Sends Witherspoon in motion. Will Rogers stands in, has protection. Looks and throws. Intercepted Alabama. Taken to the house. Patrick Sertan. Touchdown Alabama. A pick six for the junior from Plantation, Florida. Patrick Sertan wants the number one corner in the country as a recruit takes it to the house. What an effort all the way around from the Crimson Tide. Mac Jones throws for four scores. Devontae Smith, 11 catches, 203 yards, and four scores without Jalen Waddle. Najee Harris over 100. Mississippi State doesn't score. I mean, the, the, the Bulldogs are, are – the wheels have fallen off, and I don't know that they're coming back on anytime soon. No, boy, they have – after torching LSU that first game, that offense has just been really hard to watch. It's – He's not fooling anybody there in Starkville. Yeah, wretched, wretched performance. Talked about Notre Dame a second ago. They beat up Georgia Tech 31-13 as they get ready to go for Clemson at home next week. Back in the SEC, fifth-ranked Georgia beats Kentucky 14-3. Dogs' defense was just dominant. Not a good day for Stetson Bennett, but Zamir White carried the load for the Bulldogs. 26 carries, 136 yards, and a score. And Georgia improves to 4-1 with a big game this week against the Florida Gators. We go to the Big 12 for the first time in Stillwater. Oklahoma State was undefeated, ranked sixth in the country. Texas at just 3-2, needing a win. A lot of The blood of a lot of jokes this last week was Tom Herman and the Longhorns, but uh, they, they looked good. They were competitive in a big second half for the Horns, and they were able to walk away with the upset. Has the snap. Blitz coming. Sanders looks. Being chased. Circles around. He goes down. Joseph Osai wraps him up. This game is over. Texas has beaten six-ranked Oklahoma State in Stillwater. The first road win over a top-10 team in a decade. Final score, Texas 41, Oklahoma State 34. Texas gets the game tied and, of course, win it in overtime. Uh, I think you and I both called this. Texas winning this game. They seem to always do this to teams whenever yep. you know they're having their good seasons and a big win for the Horns. The pressure's off, Ben. I mean, th- they're not going anywhere. They're out of the national t- championship picture, probably aren't going to be able to win the Big 12. And now they start to play like they're capable of playing. It just, it's like a switch has been flipped. Watch out. Texas is going to be hard to, hard to beat from here to the finish line on this season. You talked with Adam about the Cincinnati Bearcats, seventh ranked in the country, Supposed to face a stiff test in Memphis, 49-10. to 10. Ooh, Bearcats seem legit. 
Would you? Would it bother you? Because the Big 12's out. They're not going to get a playoff spot. I think Ohio State's the only team from the Big 10 probably going to be in that ilk. Bama obviously is there. Clemson's obviously there. If Cincinnati runs the table, I think they need a good hard look at getting that four spot. I, I think I think they're at least they're definitely in the conversation. Now does that yep. win out? I don't know. Right. But man, they're beyond impressive right now. Just ripping teams apart. Back to the SEC, Texas AM battling Arkansas. It was all Aggies early and often as they hang forty-two on the Razorbacks. Cuts to his right, to the 25, cuts outside, 20, splits a couple defenders, still on his feet to the 10. Wow. And look at this, six for six. Touchdown, Aggies, Devon A-Chain, his first for Texas A&M. Texas Aggies beat up Arkansas, 42-31. Razorbacks score a couple of fourth-quarter touchdowns and make this thing look respectable, but A&M under Jimbo Fisher improves to 4-1. and one. What do you make of Texas A&M so far Pretty this good. year? Pretty good. Kellen Mond can really play. I mean, their one loss was that, wasn't it the opener at Bama? Where yeah, they lost like 45-17 or something. But after that, they've got it going. Jimbo's got it kind of rolling a little bit right now down there in College Station. Mond throws for three touchdowns for the Aggies. Sticking in the SEC, things got exciting between Missouri and Florida with a late hit. But in the end, the Gators had the laugh laugh. There's the snap to Trask. Here comes Mizzou in the pocket. Trask throws the ball to Grimes, makes the catch at the 12, at the 10, at the 5. He spins in, and he's going to be in for a touchdown. Oh, my, what a nice, powerful spinning run by Trey Grimes. 41-17, Gators get it done, but, man, they, they had, they're going to have some problems this week with Georgia sorting out the discipline with that brawl at halftime. Yeah, five players suspended. It's That was ugly. That was not a good look for college football when that happened. Yeah, big, big, big brawl at halftime there. All right, we talked a little bit ago about Cincinnati. Thoughts on BYU? They're now 7-0 and with a 41-10 win over Western Kentucky. You like Zach Wilson, or are you more of a, a Desmond Ritter type guy? No, no, I like Wilson better. I, don't, I think Cincinnati's a little bit more sound defensively, but that's a pretty good team. And this week... Boise against BYU. You want a game a little bit off board, it's going to be pretty entertaining to watch. That'd be it Saturday. Yeah. Man, we we just can't get a handle on what's happening in Chapel Hill with the Tar Heels. They lose 44-41. to They they let Bronco Mendenhall hang 44 on them, Greg. Sam Howell throws for 440 and four scores. How about the stat line for Deami Brown for North Carolina? 11 catches, 240 yards and three touchdowns, and they lose. The Cavaliers wow. get it done in Charlottesville. We kind of said that Friday, right? At our pick show, or we were talking, maybe we didn't pick this game, but it's like Carolina, I think maybe during your weekend preview, you're like, yeah, one, I really like Carolina, but they had the stinker against Florida State, and then this one's not a good look either. Disappointing for Carolina fans. Yeah, Virginia was just one and four in the conference before that Jeez. game. In the Big 12, West Virginia rolls up K-State. The Big 12 is a mess. 37-10 the final. West Virginia puts away the Wildcats. And, yeah, the Big 12 is, is tough to figure right now. Yeah, K-State ha- had the player ticket take his life last week. They've been playing with the back of a quarterback for a couple weeks. That's going to catch up with you. Oklahoma State still pretty good, but they got to play OU still. they got to play K-State this week. I don't know. I don't know who's going to play – not sure who's going to get the, those two spots in their championship game. Oklahoma rolls Texas Tech 62 
to 28. Boy, it is just bad times in Lubbock, Texas right now. They just can't get it going, can't get off the canvas. Finish it up with Boise State and Air Force. Uh, Boise State now 2-0, 49-30, high-scoring game out in Colorado against the Air Force Academy, but Boise State almost hangs 50 on them. Yeah, you're right. Could be could be an interesting game this yeah. weekend. Boise State and BYU could be the toughest game of the year for the BYU Cougars. All right, moving to the National Football League finals from this weekend, starting first with New England and Buffalo. The Bills have had a heck of a time trying to beat New England, who's had the number of everybody in the division, but... Late game here. Patriots trying for a late rally deep into Bills territory. Easy chip shot field goal range. Cam Newton trying for a touchdown when disaster strikes. Newton will keep it. Newton. Oh, he lost the ball. Buffalo takes over. Cam Newton coughs it up with 31 seconds left. Utter disaster right there for Cam Newton. And you have Bill Belichick come out and blame for the front office, for the lack of, of depth on the on the cap space and, and then the usage of the cap money. Patriots now 2-5 and five on the year, Greg. Wow. That's hard to believe. When was the last time the Patriots didn't win 8, 9, 10 games? That would be a long time. Ugh. Yeah, they were going to break records this year, not, not yep. for the better. It's bad times in New England. Cincinnati with the upset of the weekend. They beat Tennessee 31-20. to 20. Another good day for Joe Burrow. Despite 112 yards from Derrick Henry, Cincinnati 31 points on the Titans' defense. Good win for Zach Taylor. And that's the big thing Ian Rappaport told us a few weeks ago about Cincinnati. Just start to see some progress. Well, beating Mm -hmm. Tennessee is definitely progress. Sure is. He's good. Tennessee 5-2 now on the year. Cincinnati 2-5-1. Raiders beat the Browns in a nasty day in Cleveland. It was windy, sleety. Snowy, but the Raiders end up winning 16 to six and hang on for the win. Now four and three on the year. Vegas gets a big win over Cleveland. Colts beat the Lions 41-21. Big win there for Indy, who are now five and two. Good day for Philip Rivers, who threw multiple touchdown passes for Indianapolis. Austin Vikings is now the president of that uh, Philip Rivers fan club. Sure is. He's yeah. getting his uh, Philip Rivers player team yep. delivered as yep. we speak. NFC North Vikings stun the Packers 28-22. to What a day for Dalvin Cook. Over 200 scrimmage yards and four scores. 163 on the ground as Minnesota improves to 2-5 and with a 28-22 victory over Green Bay, who's lost a couple in the last few weeks. Jets and Chiefs in Kansas City at Arrowhead. All Chiefs 35-9. Defense shuts the Jets out in the second half. Patrick Mahomes 4-16, five scores through the air. That'll play. That'll get it done. Yeah, and then he gave uh, Tyreek Hill a piggyback ride. You see that? <laughs> yeah, he was limping limping a little bit. He's like, hey, I'll take it from here. At least I, I got you. Do. I'm going to carry you down the ring. Here we go. Tua Tungavailoa making his NFL debut against the Rams on his first possession strip sack fumble from Aaron Donald. Welcome to the league, young man. He throws a pick a little later on, but the Dolphins get a big win, 
So he gets the win. That's all that matters. 28-17. The final score is Miami improves to 4-3. and three. How about the Dolphins, Greg? 4-3. and three. Yeah. They're lingering in the AFC East. They sure are. And, boy, he's what a great weekend for that family, right? I mean, Tua gets his first start in the NFL. His younger brother starred in the Friday Night Maryland victory. Got named Big Ten Player of the Week today. Pretty good, uh, pretty good week for that family. Not bad. Good battle in the AFC North. Steelers and Ravens, they get a late touchdown to Chase Claypool. Ravens get a chance to tie it at the end. The pass to the end zone's broken up, and the Steelers improved to 7-0, last unbeaten in the National Football League. They beat the Ravens 28-24. Good day for J.K. Dobbins in a losing effort for Baltimore, but Pittsburgh undefeated 7-0. That was a really, really good game, but defense just throwing haymakers at each other all day. That was how fun about, to watch. How about Pittsburgh? My goodness. I I felt like they were going to have a good year. I don't know that I saw this good a year coming. Yeah, I don't know that any of us did, yet here they are. Boy, what a finish in Denver at mile high between the Chargers and the Broncos and the AFC West comes down to the final play. Gordon in the backfield with Locke. Locke going to roll and throw. No, it's ruled incomplete. One official ruled incomplete. And now they've changed it. Greg, I think he got both feet down. That was that was a good throw. I think KJ Hamler gets both feet down in bounds. Call on the field would stand. Penn State rookie KJ Hamler would catch it from Drew Locke. McManus's PAT up and good. Denver wins it 31 to 30 and improved to 3-4 and four on the year. That was an exciting finish. And Denver and big win for the Broncos as Drew Locke gets going. 21 fourth-quarter points for the Denver Broncos. The name sounds familiar, K.J. Hamler. Yeah, most Penn definitely. State. He is not on yeah. Penn State's team right now. No, no, no he's Thank not. goodness. Nope. Another late game goes to OT. Saints beat the Bears 26-23 on a Will Lutz field goal. Chicago now 5-3. and three. Mentioned the fight a little bit earlier between Javon Wims and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, two-game suspension for Wims. Saints will take the win. They improve to 5-2, and two, and at least for the moment. And depending on the result tonight, first place in the NFC South. NFC West action uh, out, out in Seattle as the Seahawks win 37-27 of the Niners. Russell Wilson, another four-touchdown day for the potential MVP 261 four scores for Seattle. And we save the best for last, the just absolute slugfest war at Lincoln Financial in Philly between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Just a quality football game last night that we all got to sit and enjoy for nearly three hours as the Eagles with a hard-fought, well-deserved, well-played 23-9 victory over the 2-6, and six, Ben DiNucci-led Dallas Cowboys. You didn't watch that game, did you? I did. Oh, it was no. horrible. <laughs> it was worse than I thought. The Cowboys are out here running arena football plays, trying to gimmick the Eagles to death. And, yeah, it was just bad. Absolutely oh. terrible football. And the Eagles are now 3-4-1. and one. Just, and, oh, man, brutal. And the Giants are up now 14-3 to three on Tampa Bay. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Nuts. All right. Anything else? Uh, yeah, Anderson Silva loses in his fight. Um, a nice moment there at the end of his fight as he loses in the in the second round. But a uh, great career comes um, to a close. And, you know, very interesting moment there. And obviously tough tough way to go out with no crowd and, yeah. and losing your last fight. But 
uh, a great career put to a close and we'll look forward to some more stuff next weekend including the uh, horse races the breeders cup the breeders so, cup look forward yeah. to that do i need to get andy for this week or not i mean he might have a few minutes to spare all right i'll i'll reach out and see if he can break that one down for us We're back on a Sports Hotline Monday night. Greg Sharp, Evan Laughlin, Tim Kern, Austin Orman with you. Time to spin around the room and see who each everybody had for their weekend winners. Ben? Yeah, my weekend winner is Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals uh, taking on the 5-1 and one Tennessee Titans and score 31 points. Joe Burrow's looking legit. This is without Joe Mixon, too. So uh, big kudos. Love their wide receiving core with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and uh, yeah, they've got some parts in Cincinnati, so I, I hope they they let this thing ride and give them a few more years because I think I think they're definitely better. They definitely are. What a big win! I mean, nobody saw them beating the Titans. That's a huge no. win for for Zach. Good stuff. All right, Tim. Uh, well, my win uh, hails from the great state of New Jersey and the Rutgers football team. Maybe the not so great uh, Rutgers football team, but uh, that lateral play, even though it didn't <laughs> count, it counted in my heart. And in fact, had that crazy lateral play worked, uh, my buy sell question would have been counted as a buy, and it would have been right because they would have covered against Indiana. But I digress. Seeing that big lineman just chuck the ball 70 yards in the air uh, and then try and score on that play. That was impressive. And for a fleeting moment, it was a, a brilliant thing. But still, uh, good enough to be my winner of the weekend. Did they, did they get the call right, do we think? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I, I want to yeah. say no, but eh, I don't know. Ben, I don't. did you see it? I don't know if they got the call right. I only saw the play one time. So, I, I mean, I, I would need, probably need to go back and watch it. So, I'm, I'm pretty indifferent on it. It was pretty wacky and incredible. Oh, that big number 71 just launching the ball <laughs> over his head. That was hilarious. Good stuff. Austin. My winner comes from my Indianapolis Colts. It's not Philip Rivers, who I am now vice president of the fan club. Oh, okay, for. vice president. Okay, not not quite all the way up there yet, but I am. Yeah. I will probably campaign next year. But okay. Naheem Hines, a couple touchdowns on the day for him. But more importantly than that, he got a shout-out from Simone Biles on Twitter after both his touchdowns. He did what? a couple cartwheels into, I don't even know, maybe get Simone Gymnastics Biles. Gymnastics moves. Right. Yeah. yeah. Need Simone Biles or Tony Hawk to weigh in on exactly what the uh, number of degrees it was that Naheem Hines spun after his touchdown. It's just really cool to see an NFL caliber athlete and all the shoulder pads do that and get the, the props on Twitter. Good for I'm him. I'm pretty hacked off at the Colts, to be honest. Can we get Jonathan Taylor more involved? This is a joke. And I know, I know a lot of it's on his own shoulders for running into his lineman, but come on now. Okay, feel better? No, not really. Not until, <laughs> until, not until he gets his butt in the end zone a few times. How about Travis Kelsey getting flagged for dunking the ball over the goalposts? You could see that Gonzalez. coming a mile away. I mean, he was five yards deep in the end zone, and he had that goalpost sized up. I'm like, oh, here, come, here comes the dunk and a flag. He sure did. My winner, Scott Frost. I'm going with the Husker head coach. Because of no game, he got a chance to go trick-or-treating with his young kids. Good for him. That makes him a winner in my books because that's one of those special moments as a parent. Football coaches, this would be the one holiday they probably wouldn't have any chance to be a part of unless you are lucky to get a bye week on Halloween. So good for him that he had a chance to get that done. That's that's great. Our Sports Highly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. 
purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Good show tonight. We heard from the head coach earlier with his press conference today. Matt Davison, Adam Rittenberg came along as well. Tomorrow night, we'll uh, have you all the day's headlines. Top 10 Tuesday coming your way tomorrow night as well. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, to all of you for being a part of this one. Enjoy the rest of your night. Get out and vote tomorrow. We'll be back here tomorrow night on Sports Highly. Good night.